Hey guys, Jonathan Alsali here, calling in from the, what do we decide to call this? Thinking on Thinking Charge. Charge podcast. Uh, it's a new podcast, we're out of Houston, Texas. We will be uh, recording and producing every two weeks, or at least that's our intent. Uh, Ryan, want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Ryan, also known as BD and Sega for all of you that catch us on Sage. Uh, I usually co-commentate with a PR sign, and you guys might remember also from Senpais as well. Uh, yeah, I'm here with Jonathan, who's also uh, part of Salt Boys over here, big part of the Houston community, and we decided to get together to get together for this podcast right here. So we'll just be doing some kind of brief uh, discussions real like real life here, uh, go over kind of the past two weeks uh, before we get into the bigger topics that we want to get into. But um, yeah, do you want anything you want to discuss before we start? Uh, I mean, let's just kind of talk how we got here. So, obviously, Sage is the hottest thing right now in Houston. We used to do it at Senpai's, which was SAS. Uh, with COVID, unfortunately, that kind of took out that store. But uh, we'd always be commentating, or you guys would be commentating. I'd be commenting in the in the stream. And I said, why not just do this shit on a fucking podcast? And we're probably not going to make this PG anyway, because <laughs> it's not for the kids. Exactly. But, yeah, we, we wanted to make a, a little backstory on Sage, too. I brought it up to... Uh, Omar, one of the owners of Galaxy, um, I wanted to make Sage just kind of like a homage to SAS right now because we don't have COVID, but I wanted to, you know, make Sage so that way we could kind of remind people that, you know, SAS was the, the kind of like the birthing place for the whole Houston community as a whole for DBS, you know. Whenever you talk about the Houston DBS community, you know, we're just like one big like family, but we're all like cousins trying to fight each other at the same time, pretty much. You know, every team's got each other's back, but we all talk shit to each other as well. But it's all in good faith and everything like that. Like, I know every every time I go out and play, I always have a good game. I don't think I've ever once had a bad game uh, playing out here in Houston. And especially at Senpai's, you know, David was really good at just, like, you know, culturing a really good uh, community out here in DBS. So when, we, when I wanted to make Sage, I wanted to make that as a big homage to SAS. And just kind of always remember that they were the big focal point for us there. And, you know, always just make sure that I could bring attention to David's store as well during these harsh times during COVID. You know, kind of keep the community together as well. Very well put. Uh, I think everybody in the Houston community who's even just semi-active is familiar with Sage or SAS. Senpais in general is kind of the, I I don't know if I'd call it the mecca of Houston DBS, but it probably is. Uh, it, it used to be at least if we can get them back on their feet I'm sure that people will make that the new spot to go to again uh, Galaxy is really looking strong here but speaking of which uh, let's go ahead and transition into our I guess two week overview since we'll be recording every two weeks we'll kind of go over what's been happening the last two weeks in the Houston community and the DBS community uh, so as of right now we still are in season one of our tournament of power for Houston uh, so Right now, we are facing our next tournament, which will be the last tournament for the season. Uh, right now, I believe Meta Club is in the lead for best team right now. They have 34 points. Uh, Salt Boy is right behind with 28 or 29 points. I'd have to double-check that, and then it's a distant third from there. Hey, but we're, hey, but Team Lethal, hey, we're in third. You're still in third. <laughs> hey, third's third, right? But Top three. Uh, it's been a good turnout for what it was as, as far as online strictly and being something that Houston just doesn't do for a local. Everybody's used to going to their stores. I think with season two, we're going to try to transition into a 50-50 split of in-store and online. But uh, both Meta Club, Salt Boys, Lethal have all looked 
very well. They've all taken a tournament. So it's really for Team Lethal, it's showing out uh, to be the best, third best team in Houston is coming out of nowhere. Because you guys would show up in Sage and Sass, but, you know, not really making a whole, whole lot of noise prior to that. But now you guys are coming in uh, full force. So especially for you, uh, you're the one who topped uh, week three or week four of yeah. uh, T.O.P. Um, what has your experience been with the T.O. the whole T.O.P. as far as an outside perspective? Uh, as someone who likes to sign up and to participate in the T.O.P.s, uh, it's it's pretty interesting because it's also a good way to, to you know keep the community together and everything else like that. Especially stuff like Discord, you know, Untap. You know, a lot of people like don't like Untap, myself included. But you know, it's not the worst interface. I mean, I've dealt with like. The YGO original dueling book and that interface was literally a nightmare to have to deal with. But, you know, Untap, they at least, like, you know, treat their UI and they give it updates. The new UI is kind of just a little bit better. It's a little bit more, like, friendly for, like, bigger groups and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, def- it's not perfect. But then again, there's nothing really mo- no more than perfect than, like, you know, just playing with your pure cardboard. But it's still a good experience. Uh, playing in the TOP is just a really good idea to see, you know, because you can watch how other people play and stuff like that. But, you know, watching the people that you're used to playing with, you know, see them play again, you know, why they do things that you don't do and stuff like that or why you do things differently. It's a good way to get an analysis, especially if you're doing, like, mirror matches and stuff or just seeing how people play new decks like Shenron, you know, how it's keeping it through the current meta or you're looking at stuff like people play Majin Majita builds, you know. Those builds are like, you know... There's a minuscule bit of difference, but that minuscule bit of difference in those builds just make a huge impact on the board. And it's just really interesting to, have to see how people go with that kind of stuff. Sure. So let me ask this opinion. Would you prefer a webcam interface over Untap? Or I mean, obviously, there's nothing that's going to replace in-person playing with your own cards, but uh, Untap is just readily available, whereas not everybody has a webcam. That was the only hesitancy I've had towards it, but... You know, I'm always open to the community to see what they like, and obviously your one opinion. But I'd like to get: Would you rather go into a webcam interface? Uh, I'm fine with either or, really. I mean, they both has their pluses and their minuses. Uh, I like to use webcams just because I like to use my own cardboard and stuff like that. But as someone who's played a lot of games online with webcams, webcams do have a lot of issues. And I'm not going to say anybody's, like, you know, doing nefarious or anything like that, but webcams can cost people the games because of the fact that, you know, webcams can easily disconnect and stuff like that and just just not want to cooperate or anything else like that. So I think that's, like, a bit, that's a big reason I don't like webcams, but webcams still let you, you know, have that field of cardboard, you know. It's the closest you can get to interaction without having actually interact with somebody. And then um, with, you know, untap and stuff like that, you know, you don't get to feel the cardboard and stuff like that, but you know, you're on, you're pretty much on a secure connection. It's kind of just like a fighting game, really. You know, if you're like in a wired in connection, you're gonna stay connected unless like you have an internet outage and stuff like that. Then at that right. point, then it's just kind of you're kind of screwed. Nothing up. would have saved you from that. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to get back to being in, in person. And uh, speaking of which, we've had this past weekend three big events for in-store uh, tournaments. Uh, first was uh, PPG. They had their uh, Vermilion Bloodline release event. Virginia had a case tournament for their Vermilion Bloodlines release. And then New Jersey, I believe they're doing monthly 1Ks. And this was just another instant of their uh, 1K. So I'd like to kind of talk about, I guess, how the meta is unfolding with these three. Well, let's talk PPG first. The biggest thing I wanted to talk about with the PPG is the fact that... Um so the other tournaments, like the the reason why there's such a big variation in the tournaments is that I believe PPG didn't allow um, what are they called uh, the, the 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 tournament pack uh, cards. Mm. 
they didn't allow those, so you weren't able to play the one-drop Broly, you weren't able to play the uh, one-drop Majra Vegeta, you weren't able to play the uh, one-drop Bulma that searches at the field spell, or the, uh, the the baby Big Bang attack, stuff like that. And so you can actually see a big difference in Otherland and how the top is. You're still going to see Gotenks at the top, but you're going to see car, uh, decks fall off and decks fall in, and stuff like that. So for the PPG, that's the biggest one to talk about because it's just pure uh, set 11 and, and less. No, no tournament packs affecting, so it's going to be interesting to see that. So, uh, for our top three, for the top eight for PPG, we've got three Go Tanks, two Invoker, one Vegex, one Bulma, and then one Rebu Gohan. And the biggest thing I wanted to take out of that was the Invoker, because out of all these top eights, Invoker is the only deck to be played that's playing blue. That's something really interesting I wanted to talk about, just because of the fact that Draftbox 6 is showing a lot of silver bullets for blue, but in the meta, we're not seeing a lot of blue being played, even though people talk about baby they talk about vegeta ss3 reboot Go goku and um soul striker reborn goku you know what are your thoughts about the lack of blue in the meta uh i think people just wanted to try out all the new cards green definitely got a big boost here with uh, set 11 and you can see that dominance with go tanks uh, what 8 11 out of the top 24 between these three tournaments uh not including the one reboot gohan and two majin vegeta which are also green uh so that's what, 8, 11, 13, 14 of top 24s green-based. Uh, they really have been, set 10, set 11 have been heavy in green support, which green has been predominantly the weakest color, I'd say, up until now. Yeah, because green really likes to deal with a lot of, like, uh, the, the, I use a lot of uh, a lot of magic terms, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh terms, stuff like that, so you'll hear that on the podcast, but for me, green likes to deal with a lot of, like, weenies and stuff like that, usually cards that are, like, pretty low on the energy slash mana cost and stuff like that so so seeing green just go from like being good to being completely dominant is like out of left field i mean we had the uh, reboot gohan which i still say to this day is, will probably be um a top tier deck for a very very long time just because of the fact that it offers so much power in one in one leader but other than that though uh, it is interesting to see green just completely dominate the meta you know and then blue just being pushed out right with blue being so dominant the uh, last set it's just disappeared uh and i think it'll come back when people start going back to the zamasu and the reboot um goku the ss3 reboot mm -hmm. uh even the uh the reboot for uh the soul striker soul striker because it's it, i've seen some good lists for that as well uh, i think blue will come back it's just just like the beginning of last set uh, the the Goku, the green Goku that cleared board every take two life, that was dominant the first couple tournaments and then it just disappeared. I think you'll see not as big of a drop off, but something similar where it'll balance out more. I don't think Bulma <laughs> or the Red Broly, Red Broly, maybe. I like the uh, I, do, I can speak on that a little bit because I actually do I actually do have the Red Broly deck and not playing the the tournament pack one drop Red Broly's turns the deck from being a competitive deck to a rogue deck. Because it's very hard to start off all your combos without that tournament pack Broly. But the uh, the Broly deck, um, if you can't stop it and it keeps going, you lose. Auto You, you will auto-lose because it'll eat your hand. And it just keeps coming in with crits and swings. So you don't get to see any extra cards in your hand. And you know you get those cards back, but you don't get them back on your turn. So your turn's kind of dead if you don't see any way to extend your plays. So that's what I like about Red Broly. And the fact that it also uh, warps the cards, you get to see what's in their hand for free stuff like that so every time your opponent picks something it's something they may not need right now but it's something they may need later and you'll know later down the line hey this is coming up and i need to deal with this and stuff like that 
that's why I like the Red Broly deck. But um, the what is it? That Red Broly deck really needs those tournament packs cards. So we don't get to see any of that in the PPG, unfortunately. I'll say this: I think with Sinchar being a hard counter to the Red Broly, if Red Broly becomes that much more dominant or present in the meta, you'll see more Sinchenron pop up. Uh, it's just kind of like the hard counter for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what the hard counter to Sinchenron would be, but it's going to be like a triangle format almost, which I don't know how I feel about triangle formats. I like the open concept that we've been having where anything can top. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing that Sinchenron has to worry about right now is just Invoker, because Invoker has an easy way to deal with Senshinron boards. No matter what, Invoker can always deal with Senshinron. Just because it has Emperor's Death Beam, Royal Calm Damnation, and stuff like that. It's just an easy way for them to deal with these big boards and these big beaters. 30, 30k is big, is big to a lot of decks, but Invoker has Emperor's Death Beam. That thing's killing it on site. Correct. And I think there's an anniversary box card that came out um, for black, which makes it generic. The Max Kamehameha that gets oh, yeah. rid of a card that's greater than their energy. So uh, definitely sideboard tech for every deck. At least it should be. Uh, maybe you main board it, but... I do have the uh, yeah the Max Power Kamehameha, the one that came out in the anniversary box. Uh, it's, it's, what is it? It's pay one, uh, activate main. Uh, you can warp a card on your opponent's, uh, your opponent's board, or warp an opponent's battle card that's energy cost is greater than uh, what they have. But it's also really good for negating as well. Because if you need it for a negate, you can negate, warp four cards out of your drop, and then put it back in your hand. But you can activate copies for that the turn. So it's really good. It's a good versatile side uh, side deck card. And I keep it in my VegX deck a lot for my sideboard. No, I think it's a good card. So you could just activate main on your on your turn, warp the four cards, keep it for the negate. Yeah, they know it, it's there, but yeah, you know, negate's a negate still. But back onto the, uh, the PPG... Uh, so like we said, we have a lot of green uh, showing in there. Uh, you've got uh, three Gotenks. And in fact, in the uh, final match, you've got mirror match Gotenks versus mirror match Gotenks. And uh, that's pretty that's pretty insane to see, you know. I remember a lot of people were talking about uh, before with the meta and stuff like that. Gotenks wasn't even talked about. You were having people talk about uh, Dark Broly. You were having people talk about uh, Red Broly. You were having people talk about Baby, you know. All these, all these, all these dudes reading this big shine, and Gotenks was kind of just taking this left side. But then when the these cards came out, Gotenks just went from being not talked about to being the biggest played deck right now in the meta. And I think that's pretty interesting because of the fact that it also leads into that green, talking about green and stuff like that. So, uh, what are your thoughts about Gotenks right now, as a leader and as a deck? I think it's a great deck. I think the leader's great. The whole anniversary box cards really boost it, which makes it affordable to play, uh, open to anybody. Uh, obviously, you're still missing some key pieces like Dormant Potential, but uh, it takes it from a great deck to still a good deck. It just doesn't have that stopping power that it makes it tier S or 0, however you want to word that, but I still think it's a contender without it. Um, I think what will happen is people will figure out how to play around Gotenks more, and it's going to, without a, a defined meta, uh, Gotenks will just plow through. But as people start seeing more and more Gotenks, people are going to build around countering Gotenks, and then you'll become more defined. Same thing that happened with all the metas in the early stages. You have one ramping deck that just clears everything and then counters. Uh, Vegex being a good example. Granted, Vegex is just super OP because of its super combos but I think that moving forward Gotenks will still be strong I just don't know if it'll top as heavy as it does now and that's also another thing I like about the um, 
the meta. I don't want to stretch too hard onto it. We'll be, and I don't want to talk about every leader in particular because then we'd just be going down a list, and that's not really interesting. But it's interesting to talk about. Um, you see a lot of decks uh, vitally pop up between each um, between each discussion and everything else like that because you're seeing a lot of like similarities like Go Tanks is appearing in all in all these events, but you're also seeing decks like Vegex pop up in every single uh, deck as well. And that's what I also talk about being in a healthy game state realistically is that you're seeing uh, decks move from meta to meta and that's a, that's a really healthy way to keep a card game alive because you're allowing decks to keep um, you're allowing people to hold on to their old cards and allow them to keep playing the game and without having to burn through all your uh, all your money or all your trades and anything else like that so that's what I like seeing and I'm hoping this set particularly keeps that trend going and we're starting to see it with Sen Shinron being in two top eights both in New Jersey and in um, Virginia, you're seeing one Sen Shenron player, and I talked about it a lot too on Sage as well. Uh, I think Sen Shenron will be uh, a deck that'll just keep getting stronger uh, throughout the uh, the set releases because it's it works with Shadow Dragons in particular, and it doesn't have to be like a yellow Shadow Dragon or a green Shadow Dragon or a blue Shadow Dragon. It's just Shadow Dragon, and that to me is really good because of the fact it allows them to think about hey maybe we can have Senshenron be a yellow leader but we can also have Senshenron be a rainbow leader down the line as well you know he be the yellow representation and then we start doing this and then Bandai could probably make their first rainbow leader and then we have decks like Vegex having representation in all three of these top eights for these events and it's just showing that the deck went from being this structure deck to being you know Hey, we were very dangerous in set ten. We're dangerous. We're still dangerous in set eleven, and you know it's just it's really good to see a deck stick around a lot. You know, I like to talk about like uh, in Yu-Gi-Oh. There was a deck called uh, Burning Abyss. People called it the Old Man deck because it was around for a very long time. And I'm hoping Vegex and Shen Shenron could be that Old Man deck because it would help a lot of players. You know, not feel like they're just kind of like wasting their money and stuff like that. Kind of like how whenever uh, you play Magic. Uh, with standard it's one of the big it's a, a big format but that format changes every set and it's really annoying to keep to keep going with it because if you miss your mark on the money cards then you kind of just lose that and you have to shut a lot of cash or shut a lot of trades that you don't want to wait waste and stuff like that and that's why i kind of like this and even with a uh, bulma being only in the top eight for ppg but it's a deck that's like was what set nine set eight set eight set eight and we're still seeing it play now that's amazing, and you know we have like Ernest, you know the Salt Boys, uh, the Salt Boys King with Bulma. You've got him with his, with his um, with him sticking to the deck and stuff like that, and that's what I'm talking about right there, you know. And I like seeing that portrayed in the meta and portrayed in these uh, events and stuff like that, you know. Rebu Gohan's another one, you know. It may have only been in the PPG, but it's still very powerful and stuff like that. And then we just recently had um, the uh, first uh, webcam tournament where we had one of uh, one of Houston's own Alley top with it, you know, undefeated with Rebu Gohan. Rebu Gohan being one of those other old man decks that I'm talking about as well, being able to stay in the meta. He was there for set 9, and that deck is still relevant to this day, and that's what I like. What are your thoughts? I think that with uh, the way Bandai is moving, it looks like they're listening to the community and saying, hey, instead of having such a high power creep that just says, hey, all your old cards, throw them away. Uh, they're really paying attention and saying, okay, let's try to reincorporate these cards uh, back into being used again. So uh, we've seen that with every release. Anniversary brought, box brought back the uh, Vegito cards. Uh, that green Vegito jumped from like a quarter to like $5, $10 at a certain point. SPRs are going for like 20 
Gotenks had the old Gotenks leader that people were hyping up because they didn't know the new Gotenks leader was coming, and that was getting some play. Um, even now with the Gogeta stuff that came out for set 11, people brought their old Gogeta cards from set 6, from Destroyer Kings, back out, and those SPRs and SRs are still going for good money. So, one, it's good for the community because you can use your old cards. Two, it's good for the game because now there's a market for the cards, which gives value to holding on to things, uh, which will keep the game alive, I, in my opinion, long term, because now you're building uh, value for investing into the game as opposed to saying you're wasting your money don't even buy boxes buy singles which i think now people are still kind of on the fence if you don't pull a secret rare you wasted your money exactly yeah so if you can pull some value out of a card from a box that doesn't have a secret rare like you pull your dormant potentials like you pull your sprs that can still equal out what you paid for the box that's healthy for the game but if you're pulling 20 30 dollars out of an 80 dollar box hard and egg uh, it's not healthy for the game long term. And we saw that with World Martial Arts Tournament. Uh, Draft Box 3, I believe, is what really pushed it super, super hard for. And that was, I think, a good turning point for the game. Uh, so I think they're going in the right direction. I'm curious to see if they'll continue to push for monocolor for this whole set and then turn it back into maybe tricolor for the next block. Uh, right, they have this secret rare uh, unison card that requires four colors. So it says to me that there will be a rainbow leader. There will be maybe tricolor energy. And the only thing that we have even close to that would be set two red Vegito, which in my opinion requires, I think, a, a reboot leader. Oh, yeah, no, easily. And we also have uh, AOD. AOD um, being a really strong contender for rainbow as well, just because of the fact that the leader doesn't uh, make you have to pay specified colors. And then the... Um, what is it? The Bobby makes you have to specify or specified cost. I might have those backwards, but you know, it, with those two in tandem, you're basically just playing uh, your two drops for one, any color. Your three drops for two, any color. You know, the deck just keeps going and going and going, and that's something really, really good for that deck. And uh, it's besides, you know, set two Vegito, we have AOD, and those are our two rainbow decks. You know, we have something from literally the beginning of the game to now, and those are the only two rainbow representation. I think. Bandai is starting to play test with this rainbow idea because you know not only did we have the Vegito, but we also had in Draft Box Five the uh, Ultra Instant Goku, the Strength of Legends, and then we had the Vegeta. Yeah, the Vegeta, the Strength, uh, the Strength of the Prince, or something like that. Strength of Legends also, yeah. I believe. And those two cards right there will had their effects be activated if you paid Rainbow. So I think that we're starting to see, you know, Bandai push towards this direction. You know, hey, maybe we should make like an all color deck or at least a four color deck. Well, that makes me think of the. I guess Ultimate Box, Vegeta, and uh, I guess any of the Universe 7 representative like decks that say ignore specified costs. Yeah. So those could be considered, I guess, rainbow-colored because you could play a yellow Roshi with the blue energy. As long as it was a Universe 7 card, didn't require a specific color, uh, which I think that works really well with Strength of Legends. It's just Strength of Legends has been really hard to try to set up currently. Yeah. But that's why we invest. Yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of AOD players play it as well, just because of the fact that I think a lot of AOD players kind of forgot about it and they wanted to, you know, you know, you have to get your foot in the water with AOD, much like with the meta right now. You have to get your foot in the water and really see, you know, what's good and what's not. But um, uh, the another thing I wanted to bring about with about the meta and stuff like that is just the fact that you know it's it's really good to see um, this meta particularly. You're seeing a lot of deck variations, whereas last time, you know. It was heavy Vegex, heavy Gohan, stuff like that. Real aggro central. If you weren't mid-range and you weren't pushing uh, people back, you were pushing people in. 
with uh, which is how how many swings you were hitting or with how hard you were hitting and stuff like that. You know, Gohan, you had triple strike crit. With Vegex, you had like, you know, on record like you know, ten to twenty swings at most. Especially with like the, um, uh, what is it, the robots and stuff like that. So, that it's just it's just really good to see a meta go from like you know, it was being dominated by decks to now you're you're seeing you know, Gotenks, Majin Vegeta, Swap Broly, Dark Broly. You're seeing Vegex still. You're still seeing Gohan, but you're also seeing all these leaders, Majin Vegeta. It's really, really good. And I think that's really healthy to see a lot of decks in this meta. So, what are your thoughts about the deck variety? Well, I think right now, uh, if you're not getting value and you're not being super aggro, you're not in the meta, right? So, uh, we look at our our tier list. We have Go Tanks, which hella value with its uh, anniversary box cards and the the new Unison cards in the leader. And then you look at cards like Broly Swap. It's just ridiculous value, uh, and it can be super aggro at the same time with the swap mechanic. And then you got your Vegeta, your Reboot Gohan, and your Vegex. Hyper, hyper aggro, right? Like, turn two uh, kills, basically. If you go past turn three, you, you're either they didn't hit the right cards or you had all your negates, right? Exactly. So it's either going hyper value or super aggro. I think it's a good meta. I don't know that's my favorite meta, because <laughs> if you're not fitting in either of those categories, you're probably having a bad time, but the diversity of what you can play a, a deck. There's no such thing as best deck in the format right now. No, which was also good because, you know, those tier zero decks, those are those are just, those are really, like, ultimately unhealthy for a format. You know, we, we have, we're talking about, like, you know, Bio Frieza, original SS3 Goku, uh, Hrudegarn, Unbanned Storm. Right. Those decks right there, those were really unhealthy for the game. But now you've got decks that are, like, I've seen uh, people play, uh, what is it, uh, set to Vegito beating Gotenks Hut because they were just able to see all their pieces and they were able to stop them long enough for them to set up, you know, this board where they were, like, doing everything to, to put, set them back as much as they could. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely good because you've got so many casual decks, so many casual competitive decks, and so many competitive decks. I think this is the healthiest time the game has ever been in. That's my favorite by far. Uh, I mean, obviously, when you have a Bulma coming in and topping a major event, I, I don't know if I want to call it a major event, but a bigger event for what we have right now, uh, it's in a healthy state of, of yeah. meta. PPGs are always a... I wouldn't say it's like the the most massive event we have because you know we have the we had the Las Vegas TOP and stuff like that. You know you've all had those big tournaments and stuff like that. But I would still consider PPG to be a really good uh, showcase of uh, of tournaments and stuff like that. A really good way to you know kind of gauge the meta and stuff like that. You know PPGs you know are uh, you know thank for thankful for PPGs because of the fact that they're always there to you know you know add an extra hand to the attorneys and stuff like that. You know. Maybe, uh, what is it, Bandai wants to do a tournament out all the way in Vermont, and you don't want to drive that far, but, you know, you're, like, in Florida, and they're like, hey, we're doing the, you know, the Miami one, and they're just like, oh, sweet, I can go do the Miami one now, and that's, like, a 30-minute drive versus, like, you know, a day plane ride or something like that. So, you know, I'm always thankful for PPGs, and they also do a really good job with their, you know, commentation sometimes. Yeah, nobody's perfect. No, nobody is perfect. You know, at least you're not, um, what is it? Oh, there was like one Yugi two that was really bad at uh, not Sima. Sima was really good too, but um, there was one guy I can't remember a long time ago. Uh, I can't remember him, but you know the PPG play, uh, people though. You know I'm really glad that they just do these tournaments and stuff like that, and then they they're really fast as well to put out those deck lists. So a lot of people can you know pick and choose cards they like or be like you know why did he run this over my deck and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Well, 
let's let's transition here. We've went over the meta. Uh, let's go into some bigger topics here. Uh, I guess let's talk a little outside the box here. Uh, we talked a little bit about reboot leaders. Uh, we have a, a few. I think the what set nine had four or five different. Yeah, they had a what was it meta? They had a, a meta cooler. They had uh, Gohan, SS3, Goku, uh, Hit, uh, Beerus. Beerus, and I think that if I forget one, someone's gonna someone's gonna kill me. But I think that's all of them. So that leaves us five, and then we had the Soul Striker which as a six. reboot, which would be six. I feel like we're missing one. We probably are. I said Hit, right? We said we said Hit. Yeah, I feel like we're missing a big one, and some, it, it'll it'll come back at us at some point. But uh, out of all those reboot leaders, it's really. It's really uninteresting to only see, you know, two of them, three of them that most people played. You've got uh, Reboot Gohan, the biggest one of them all. Absolutely. You've got uh, SS3 Goku and Soul Striker Goku. They fit in the same decks, so it's just preference on which one you run or run. Right. But other than that, all those get pushed to the side, unless you're talking about Beerus. Beerus is only sees competitive play if you're playing unbanned, under, which I play, unbanned, unrestricted. And that's what you're playing, like, turn two, pay 16 energy, I win the game deck. Right. Which is really easy for Beerus to pull off now with his all of his reboot stats. So it's really interesting to to see uh, Bandai not give love to that format because it's a format that they can't you know really cater to. But it's kind of like a way to just kind of push it and stuff like that. But yeah, those are the only reboot leaders we really have at the moment. So if I were to ask you, Ryan, I guess like a top five leaders you'd like to see Vegito. <laughs> Satsu Vegito. <laughs> <laughs> so I think everybody has that as maybe number one. I, th- I think it should be everybody's top five. Uh, I agree with that one. Uh, let maybe let's get some outside the box. Honestly, I wouldn't mind a, a draft box leader being. I don't even have to be just rebooted, but moving forward, if we have more draft boxes, to not be so generically shit. I, uh, I'll talk about that a little bit. Draft box <laughs> leaders make me very angry from how they changed it. But I think for my top five reboot leaders, I would want to see. Uh, besides Vegito being literally number one, because I played uh, Vegito Turbo when the game first came out, um, I probably want to see Set One Cell because Set One Cell is my uh, was whenever Biofreeze was first out, and you know they weren't playing March of the Ape, uh, you know Turbo, they were just playing you know Awaken Turbo, you know have massive hit advantage, and the only deck that could really compete with them was Set One Cell because you could just you know play the Cell Chain on them and then eat their whole hand away. That was my biggest thing I like playing. I would like to see Set One Cell make a return. You know, a lot of people try to tell me that the um, the was it the uh, what the one that came out with the universe uh, seven uh, structure deck the the one that came out with that one it was like a, another cell that like whenever it comes in a whenever you put this in your leader slot you get a two drop cell against arena and it worked with the cell junior tokens that is not a reboot that is an awful leader no that's not a reboot no it's it's I don't like that leader it's not it's not set one cell set one cell was pure perfect perfection and I loved him it was uh, pun in, I didn't mean to make that pun but that was really funny but that would be another one that I would like to see uh, for my other three uh, um, kind of fitting with draft box six Bardock crew I think he could maybe use a little bit of a rework I think um, he's good as he is right now but I think if you give him a little bit more of a rework he could definitely be you know up to par with all the other leaders and stuff like that uh, for my other two, I'll probably have to give me a little think about it, so I'll throw it over to you. What are your top five? All right, well, Vegito takes number one for me for sure. Just get that man some help. <laughs> He's already going to be so good. But if I had to dive in, I think Androids is probably uh, up for grabs with all the Android support now that's out there. It seems a little restrictive to have it just be untouched. And we might actually be getting a reboot Androids uh, next year. About that. With the new... Um 
what is it, band, what is it, the, uh, the, I like the, the, they call it the reprint set, I call it the errata set, because they're just reprinting, uh, they're reprinting a bunch of cards, plus all the errata cards. Right. Uh, because they have that leader out in the pack, but that leader doesn't have, that's the front side of the leader. On uh, the back side, they have the two androids doing the, uh, the violent dance uh, attack. Mm-hmm. So that could actually could be a very big possibility. So we'll see if that actually occurs or not. Uh, preference for me, I think Double Strike Goku from set one. I love Double Strike Goku from set one. He's basically just a green Double Strike on both sides Goku. Oh, the, uh, what was it, the Coming Soon Goku? Uh-uh. He's just set one green Double Strike. That's all uh, he does. I think I might have him with my uh, old set one. I'll have to look. <laughs> He's very generic. He, he draws two on Awaken, and then when he swings on the backside, he's double strike, draws a card. You don't have to card a life or anything? Nothing. That was a, that's huge, because, uh, what was it, set one? You know, if, you're, if you wanted anything to do anything, it's just like crit nine life, and your leader gets like plus one K. I'm just like, why? <laughs> so, uh, World Martial Arts came out with the Feet Kamehameha, and I threw that into the set one double strike Goku card leader, and I built a deck, I took it to a regional, and I ended up going four and four with it. Nice. Uh, it, it was okay. But, like, obviously, Reboot Gohan is the now the king of Feet Kamehameha. I, don't, I refuse to play Reboot Gohan, but uh, I still have hope that they're either going to reboot this guy or I'm just going to make it work somehow. Somehow. So that's my personal choice. I, would, I want him rebooted. I think Dr. Miyu deserves a reboot. I think he deserves a good card, just because of the fact that, you know, you follow his baby cards, but, you know, like, Dr. Miyu is, like, the, the big, like, uh, what was it? It's the the big night M. Night Shyamalan villain, you know. It's just like yeah, he's the villain, but it's actually baby behind the villain. I think he's good, especially with uh, his big uh, what was it? His big image in the uh, uh, Super Seventeen arc. He's definitely a villain that kind of plays a big hand in GT. I, I mean, you think about all these machine mutants, and I, th- I think nobody thinks that Baby is a machine mutant, and Super Seventeen is a machine mutant. Uh, Doctor Miu himself is a machine mutant, but none of those cards are good except for the Baby Chain. Uh, but Dr. Mew himself only plays around the set three Machine Mutants, which is like the Nibbits, the whatever their names are, uh, Nezzy and all them, where it's like play a 5k or less power Machine Mutant, play a 10k or less power Machine Mutant, it only gets you so far. Yeah. There's a small value chain in that, but it's it's ultimately just garbage. And Dr. Rildo, or not Dr., General Rildo, is just a garbage card in general, and they try to do an anniversary box for him, and it was god-awful. I think if you give him more support, actually good support, or you reboot the leader to play differently, yeah, I think he could see more play because there's just so many machine mutants now, uh, including Hatchack, by the way, who's a machine mutant, but yeah. he's usually played for just himself. Uh, so that would be, I guess, what, four? Yeah, four, I think. So if I had one more, uh, let's just throw a random one out there. Let's go with Mass Saiyan, like OG starter Jack Mass Saiyan. He was really good. I liked him. I think if he had just a little tweak, he could be tier one, tier two, because there's a lot of good black cards now. Oh, there's so many good black cards. And you just splash in some red double strikes or some crits, and you hit your value targets, and you're good. So that would probably be my top five reboot list. I think uh, I figured out, like, for my last two, my fourth, what was it, my, I think it was my third or fourth choice, uh... Set one Frieza, but not the golden Frieza. That one's so good. That golden Frieza, everybody who asked for that leader to be rebooted, just play the deck on its own. That golden Frieza is insanely good. That that leader, that's a leader that's pretty much Dante in its own form. That leader is so good. You can draw two on tap two upon awaken. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> I'm talking about uh, what is it? Galactic Emperor Frieza, the one that at the end of your turn choose two of your battle cards and switch them to active mode. 
that is an insane effect. And if he got a reboot, I could see him being in genuinely broken. I think he's actually got a lot of potential, but there's a lot of better options for yellow right now. Yeah. So. He's like, you, in the same set, they've been golden Frieza. That's the best option in the game right now if you want to play like a yellow Frieza deck. But uh, my fifth option, I talked about this with a lot with Dave and stuff like that, because it generally makes me upset how they do the Ginyu Force. Oh, God. Yeah. I would like set one Ginyu to be rebooted. The Kakarot Ginyu, that Ginyu deck had so much potential. They need to change it to where I think he could be, if they if they make a blue Ginyu set, they just need to reboot him and make him the Rainbow Ginyu. Because the ability to be like, you know, peek at your life, if it's a Ginyu Force card, just slap it on the field, like that's broken. And a lot of the Ginyu Force cards are actually pretty good. Especially if you hit that from the, the first ever promotion where Ginyu card where it was just like all the Ginyu Force and he gives like 5k buffs to all your Ginyu Force cards. That's an insane effect. Well, Ginyu used to be meta, but it was veggies, right? Yeah. So, it was like the OG veggie deck. It was. I, I had to play against that with a Videl deck. <laughs> when I got first got into the game, I played Videl. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a Videl reboot, actually, now that I'm talking about it. But uh, yeah, no, Ginyu was very, very prevalent in the meta around set 3, set 4 when I got in. So I guess that would be something that we could consider. Uh, if you guys who are listening want to tell us your reboot choices, please feel free to message me on Facebook. I am going to work on a <laughs> email and possibly a call-in setup so that you guys can interact with our show as well. Uh, so let us know what your choices are for reboots. If you think that any of the ones that we picked are shit, let us know that too. Uh, <laughs> I, can, like I, can to already, I can already tell people are going to be like, oh, you, that one sounds good. You, you, you don't need to reboot him. Or someone's going to be like, oh, you got to do like this... Like, you know, 0.1% chance of, like, you know, Dr. B, and you've got, like, the god hand. I'm like, all right, man. Right. Basically drawing into Exodia. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, let's, I guess, try to wrap this up here. Um, there was one thing I did want to bring up, though. It's just the uh, the draft box leaders. Oh, yes. Yes, the... Uh, Those are trash. Uh, yeah. I sent, for being around since set one, I played set one, set two, a little bit of set three, and then I kind of left to go do uh, other things that were job-related. Came back around uh, set 7. Uh, and then it was really disheartening to see Draftbox uh, leaders go from, you know, these really cool cards to um, crap. You've got the Vegeta, the Zeno. Now you've got the Ape Goku that sucks. He he's, really sucks. He's not even World Martial Arts, so you can't play him with all the World Martial Arts. In the he's not World cards. Martial Arts. He lo- he lo- they, 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 you don't get the crit unless you're fighting a draft box leader, and you don't get the five k boost if your leaders, uh, uh, if your opponent's leaders awaken, which really sucks, because the front artwork is probably some of the best Goku artwork, Kid Goku ape artwork in the game, you know. Everybody who plays Kid Ku is really angry at me, but I hate the way that Kid Ku, Kid Ku looks in the back because I can't tell if he's like crying, yelling, or if it looks like he's just like he just looks so animated. It's just weird. That's fair. I will say he, uh, the draft box leader does draw a card now on the front side, which is okay. It's a plus because I played a lot of the Vegeta draft box leader trying to make that work. I spend way too much time making shit leaders to try to work, <laughs> and uh, it has its potential, but you lose your hand very quickly because there's not really a recuperation if you're not playing like draw two apes or uh, unison card that lets you draw things like that. If you're not playing a value chain in it, it's complete and utter shit yeah you get to crit them but if yeah. they have a dry engine or if they're making you discard with hand destruction gg yeah it, it, it's pretty much a wrap at that point but um 
I would like to see them bring back the old draft box stuff, like with the uh, unique oh, this, leaders. When set when the first draft box came out, I remember we were all very excited because you know my buddy wanted to play. My buddy really liked Majin Fujita. I wanted to play Go Tanks, but I got we ended up getting Mecha Frieza, which at the time we didn't know was like pretty much the most broken thing. That to was the the leader to get. Yeah, we all got it. I was a little bit upset because we all had picked our leaders because of the fact that we all thought that there were going to be different leaders in the set because it was four leaders. And the draft box is just like, oh, you, up to four friends can play. You know, like the commercial is just like, up to four friends, you know, can play these insane decks and you know draft with your four friends. And I'm like, oh, it's gonna be four leaders. You all get four different leaders, not just one leader four times. I'm like, why? Yeah, and now we get no choice. It's one leader four times. Exactly. <laughs> I actually played uh, draft box three leader, the Vegeta baby, the who Vegeta? came out of the draft box. Which one is that one? That's the one that's. Uh, um, what is it? Choose a card on your side, negate, and then choose a, uh, two of your opponent's battle cards and negate. Or is that a different? That's one? on the awakened side. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on the front side, you can take a life, neg one of your opponent's battle cards by five k. Mm-hmm. So you're instantly self awakening plus you're valuing. When you awaken, you untap two, and then on the back side, you neg one of your battle cards by fifteen thousand. You choose two of your opponent's battle cards, neg them by ten. Mm-hmm. So in general, it's a very very strong card because at the time it was the best leader to play with baby mm-hmm. baby chain and you get revenge death ball oh yeah easily that card's so good it, it was basically wolf fang fist before wolf fang fist was a thing i've had plenty of times where somebody swings with me and i have open energy i'm just like combo out Let's see what happens tap two minus 30k plus 20 to my leader yeah, see o- you later the og the og emperor's death being right there basically for yeah. two energy and that's also a big thing i like about baby maybe just self awakens you know but you know, we don't get that we don't get that fun anymore we don't get that interesting draft box leader we just kind of get this you know generic you know crap i think draft box three had all of them except one the go tanks they're not go tank go 10 were all good leaders you had krillin Blue Krillin, which is pretty good. I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of good stuff with Krillin. Uh, green Goku uh, from GT. Uh, he's the quad strike on the back. If your opponent has like five battle cards, I hate that one. And then uh, Vegeta Baby, and then you get this yellow Goku's lineage Goten, which never sees light of day. I just want to talk about the um, the, the, the the quad strike Goku match. Uh, my first match against David. I don't know if he's told you the story. My first match against David was against that leader, and I thought it was like a quad strike turbo. No, it's 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 one of many David, David's ways to try to put in victory strike. So again, I'm playing Zamasu, and I'm like, oh, I can do this if I just like you know do this, do this, turn two victory strike. I'm like, why? Oh God, <laughs> why? <laughs> Only David. Only David. Yeah, legitimately, but. Uh, we don't get to see that anymore now. We've got like you know these these boring generic you know draft box leaders, and then the Goku is probably I think in my opinion I think the Goku is the worst one. It was hands down Zeno because Zeno is, is this like universe card, so it doesn't work with anything besides the universe cards. But then they're all crap to work with as well. Vegeta at least works with Sands. You know your leader is a multicolor Sand. You know and like that's pretty actually that's like a bit of an advantage because of the fact that you can play all these rainbow Vegeta or uh, these rainbow sand cards. You can play familial bonds with it. Exactly. Right? Uh, you can play any of the if your leader card is yellow color, red color, blue color negate. So if you're playing like a red blue, you can just dimension magic, untap a crazy amount of energy, sensu bean, familial bonds, like you have to run the best of all your colors. Just because of, you can do the same thing with Zeno, but Zeno's not good because he's just the universe card. Well, Vegeta's the same card, so you've got access to all those good cards, and then you have access to the good same cards. So Vegeta, in my opinion, is the best one of the, these crap draft leaders. Goku's probably the worst. 
Just, I, be, just because of the uh, the no crit. I would agree, and I think uh, spicy tech here with the draft box Vegeta leader, you can use Raider's War Cry because <laughs> he's yellow. Oh my, yeah, you could actually. And then you just play it, Planet Vegeta, and then you search whatever apes you want. So you're running basically to maximize him in a in a formatted format, right? Like a meta format. I don't know he'll ever be meta. He's probably like a tier like seventeen or something, really shitty. But like he, if you hit the fucking god hand, it's devastating, right? Oh, yeah. Like you could plug Celzino in there. <laughs> you could just familiar bonds out whatever the fuck you want. That's there, there was a game I saw like that. Um, what was it? It was one of the first times I've ever seen Ernest not play something red. That's the funniest thing ever. He's playing it's Evan, and then um, was it turn two? Just there's like the turn two, turn three. There's like four Raiders war cries on the board. I'm like, what? Busted. Busted. It's busted. But uh, I just want them to bring back the, the, the old Draftbox Leader formats. And I want them to do the, the suggestion that I always, I've always pitched with Draftbox Leaders. Put the four different leaders in the Draftbox. So that way it's, you know, if you if one person gets a Draftbox, they get all the leaders. Or if you're actually splitting it with friends, you can all pick your own leader. You know why they don't do that, right? Why? So you buy more Draftboxes to get all the leaders. Listen, the leaders are cheap. You're not going to give me more Draftboxes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to pick and choose i'm gonna buy them on singles or trade one of the four i have when you're in the store you don't think like that bro <laughs> oh yeah you're just like oh, i didn't get the leader i want hey can i get like nine more boxes please that's exactly what happened it's like having sex before a date and after a date it's like i'm willing to do anything right now to do this and then like you, you just like jerk off before you go out you're like ah, i'm good i'll buy singles <laughs> <laughs> and you should not call me out on my weekend <laughs> but other than that though it's just like I'm already gonna buy more draft boxes though. It's just like, draft boxes are just so expensive. But we'll talk about that next time though. The, the draft boxes because they still haven't spoiled the rest of the cards. Right. And so, but other than that though, is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, talk about the top, the, our last top. So we last top last, tournament for the season, not the last top ever. Right. So our our last tournament for the season is going to be next Friday, which should be the 23rd of October, and we're actually doing a charitable event if you if you want to call it that so we're, we're donating the proceeds of the premium pricing to send pies which is the local store that is unfortunately facing some uh down times in the covid community and uh end of season awards which will be given out as far as announcements the pricing that would have gone towards that the money is going to be also donated to send pies that was voted by you guys the houston community so thank you guys for showing support and generosity and showing why we're the best community when it comes to Dragon Ball. Uh, bar none, in my opinion. I think we have one of the most diverse and best uh, communities to date. But uh, we are going to take a hiatus, I think, after this next tournament. Well, I think we're going to try to do it another charity event that doesn't count towards rankings or anything. Just, a, hey, if you guys want to play, all your uh, entries will be donated to Senpais, and I'll make, I might throw in like a top prize just out of my own pocket. But... I really want to try to help build up Senpais again because that's I think a lot of us got our start there or spent a lot of time going to these events. But uh, November, we're going to basically take a break, see how the meta goes. Come December, I think we're going to try to start Season 2, which will incorporate Untap as well as uh, rotating in stores from our sponsors. So we have Angleton, Baytown, uh, Galaxy, which is on the west side, and we have a store up on the northwest side as well. Uh, I'll talk with Marco, of course, to see which store we're going to be using for that. But I think it'll be a good change for the community as far as what TOP has to offer because we will be looking at adding in Team Wars. We will be looking at adding in uh, cash events, 1Ks. That might be a, a monthly thing or 
uh, well, things down the road. Uh, in person, it's just easier to do those kind of events as opposed to trying to streamline everything on Untap. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think it's been a great success for the first season. I'm very happy with the community's turnout. Uh, of course, I'd love more uh, you know, people playing in the events, but who doesn't want more events uh, yeah. with participants? But uh, for something that came out of nowhere, uh, the guys have all come together. Uh, big shout out to the, the crew, Marco, Raul, uh, Mario. Uh, they all have chipped in to be judges for the event. Nobody's getting paid anything to do any of this. So we've set up a Discord. We've uh, spent hours on a Friday night judging these events. So participants are playing on a Friday night uh, with something where we're getting out prizing the next week or two just because of trying to hand off uh, tournament packs. So uh, big shout out to everybody who's participated. Big shout out to everybody who's helped sponsor the events. Big shout out to everybody who's helped organize the events. Uh, just in general, showing again why Houston is the best community for Dragon Ball. Exactly. And whenever you like look watching these tournaments and stuff like that, there's a lot of love put in from not only just Jonathan and Marco, but from everybody, the participants, uh, the people who even show up to to the live stream for Twitch to watch with uh, David commentating stuff like that. You've got people like from what is it like? We've got two people from the UK. Uh, I think one dude said he's from uh, Scotland. We've got people coming in from like you know all parts of the country and so all parts from our country as well too as well. So it's definitely just this amazing thing to see you know the Houston community just incorporate all these other communities as well to show their love for us as well. And it's going to be really exciting to for the finale and everything else like that. And just another big shout out to the Houston community as well. You know, like he's like, like Jonathan said, you know the the community is just a, it's just a big uh, it's just a big diverse community. But when it all comes down to helping each other out, you know. It's a, we're all just like one hive mind together of like you know helping out somebody, so it's really heartwarming to see everybody just come together and be like, hey, let's just do all this stuff. Like you know, hey, let's help out David. You know, let's help Senpai's out, and that's really good because, like Jonathan said, pretty much I'm pretty much pretty sure everybody who's ever been a part of any of the teams for Houston got their start at Senpai's. I got back into the game at Senpai's. You know, I met my team at Senpai's. I met the Salt Boys at Senpai's. I met Med Club at Senpai's. You know, I got that com- competitive strive at Senpai's. You know, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be sitting right here. I'd probably be at home sleeping. <laughs> well, all right, guys, that wraps up the uh, pilot episode for our for our podcast, uh, Thinking on Charge. Yeah, Thinking on Charge. Well, a name to be determined for final clearance, but uh, we're missing out on Marco today, so uh, hopefully he starts sleeping better on time and stuff and <laughs> make the drive over <laughs> next big time. Call, big, big, uh, big shade throw. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of shade throw, but... It was, it was a good uh, pod episode, but we thanks everybody for uh, for tuning in to listen to us. Yes, all one or two viewers of you guys, I appreciate it. But we're going to be uh, looking at doing some more podcasts here in the next few months. So be on the lookout and peace. <laughs>